Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13 through to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who appalled at him. His appearance so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their inequities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Well, we've been looking at the, the prophecies in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 11, about the future king, about a shoot that would come up from the stump of Jesse. In other words, this future king would be a descendant of David, a new David. And this future king would bring salvation to the world. He would bring all people back to a right relationship with God so that they would be at peace with God and he would destroy all evil. He would bring justice to the poor and the needy. There would be no more exploitation of the poor and he would bring peace to the whole world. There would be no more hatred, violence and wars. And we've seen how these prophecies were partially fulfilled through the the various kings of Judah like Hezekiah and Josiah as they did lead people back to God, and there was a degree of peace. So there was a partial fulfillment, but it was only partial because the people continued to turn their backs on God, and there was corruption and exploitation of the poor, and there was hatred and violence and wars. Evil 
had not been destroyed. And so they continued to look for and wait for a child to be born who would be the ultimate future king, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. For 700 years they waited and eventually these prophecies were fulfilled. They were eventually fulfilled when Jesus was born for he is the shoot of the stump of Jesse. He is a descendant of David. And he identified with the poor and the oppressed. He stood up against those who were exploiting the poor. And he defeated evil. Not in the way the Jews were expecting, not by military might, but by dying. Can you just imagine how shocked the Jews must have been when the future king, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, died? I mean, where does it say anything about him dying? Well, there's just one place in the song that the poem about the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. How could the Jews of Jesus' day have missed this passage? Well, it seems like no one really took any notice of this passage. In all the Jewish writings that we have from the time of Jesus, no one really mentions it or discusses it. They just seem to ignore it and rather focus on all the other prophecies that seem to describe the future king as a warrior using military might to destroy evil. Now, there were some Jews who did think this passage was referring to the king, the future king, but most believed that it was referring to the faithful Jewish community that had suffered and metaphorically died when they went into captivity in Babylon around about 500 BC. But even if that is the original meaning, on a greater level, it most certainly is a symbol for the future king who represents his people and stands for his people. And ultimately it is Jesus who fully and truly fulfills the role of God's suffering servant. So what is the historical context of Isaiah chapter 53? Well, Things had got pretty bad. The kings of Judah and the people of Judah continued to turn their backs on God and do things their own way, like a sheep without a shepherd. And as a result, the natural consequences of doing things their own way was that the Babylonian army had invaded and had completely destroyed Jerusalem and had taken them into captivity in Babylon. And while they were in captivity... They longed for God to stretch out his arm and rescue them, just as he had stretched out his arm and rescued them from Egypt in the Exodus. The arm of the Lord was a poetic way of describing the power and the strength of God. And they longed for God to stretch out his mighty arm and destroy all evil in the world. And it's within this context that God says in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. In other words, God is saying, Here is my servant. He is my mighty arm. He will succeed in defeating all evil. And you kind of get the impression that everyone is thinking, What? Him? you got to be kidding me. He's your mighty arm? Him? But later... Everyone will be amazed and stunned into silence. In verse 15 says that the kings will shut their mouths when they come to the realization that this suffering servant is the arm of the Lord and that he has defeated evil and he has brought them forgiveness and peace. How mind-blowing is that? 
the arm of God, God's power and might is displayed paradoxically in weakness and suffering. So what is this sermon going to be like? Well, in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1, the speaker changes. Now it is those who have come to the realization that this suffering servant is the arm of the Lord who describe what the servant is like. And we read in verses 1 and 2, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Now the words shoot and root remind us of Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 where the king is described as a shoot from the stump of Jesse. But the emphasis here is on the word tender. He was not the powerful military king that they were expecting, but a tender shoot. He came in weakness. We continue to read in verse 2 and 3. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Isaiah depicts the suffering, the servant's suffering as both physical and social. He poetically depicts him as though he were a leper. Someone with a chronic skin disease disfigured in appearance and cut off by society. Lepers would have to live outside the cities in a leper colony. And no one would go near them. And like a leper, he suffered in isolation. Why did he suffer like this? Well, we read in verses 4 and 5. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, people at that time thought that if someone was suffering an illness or a disease, then they must be a big sin and God must be punishing them for all their sins. So in a similar way, they initially thought God must be punishing his servant for all of his sins. But now, they come to the realization that he is suffering not for his own sins, but because of their sins and because of our sins. You see, it is because of his suffering that we can experience peace with God. For it's by his wounds that we are healed spiritually. And they also came to the realization that he was innocent and they were guilty. And we read in verse 6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. And we too, like those sheep, have gone astray. I so often do things my way, the selfish way, rather than following Jesus' selfless way. I get things wrong. I say hurtful things. I have regrets. I wish I could go back in time and redo things, but I can't. I am guilty. 
But the good news is that God has laid all of my sin and all of my guilt upon His servant. And it's the same for you. God has laid all of your sin and all of your guilt upon His servant. So by His wounds, we are healed. So what is going to happen to this suffering servant? Well, we read in verses 7 and 9. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its sharers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He did not resist, but he willingly gave up his life. Even though he did not deserve to die, he was willing to do so. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was unjustly tried and convicted. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He was unjustly condemned to die a criminal's death. Although he was peaceful, he had done no violence. Although he was innocent, he had committed no crime. But the amazing thing is that he was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to die this criminal's death. Why was he willing to die like this? Well, we read in verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin... He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. His death was not just a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. His his willingness to lay down his life was not because he had given up the will to live. No, this was the will of God. This was how God was going to defeat evil and sin. God is going to defeat evil and sin through the suffering of His servant. His servant will be like that sin offering that removes our sin and our guilt so that we can be reconciled to God. As verse 11 states, at the end of verse 11, says, My righteous servant will justify many. The phrase, will justify many, means that we will be declared innocent. Even though we are guilty, we will be declared innocent because He will bear the inequities, the sins of us all. And again in verse, at the, in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, it says, He bore the sins of many. Over here, Isaiah uses language that comes straight from Israel's sacrificial system where the people's sins were transferred onto a goat or a lamb, and then this escape goat would literally be sent away as a visible sign that all their sins and guilt has been dealt with, it has been removed. But now, all our sins and all our guilt have been laid upon God's suffering servant. And He has taken all our sin and all our guilt upon Himself. And He has suffered the consequences of all our sin so that we can be declared innocent. So that we can be reconciled into a right relationship with God. For it's by His wounds we have been healed. And the result of the 
servant's willingness to die for us? God, in the climatic ending of the poem, says in verses 11 and 12, After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He will be raised from the dead. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their inequities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because the servant was willing to die for us, God would raise him from the dead. And Isaiah uses the imagery of a, of a victorious king after a battle, sharing in the spoils of victory, as a way of showing that the servant of the Lord will win the battle against evil, sin and death. He will be victorious. But it won't be through military might, but through suffering and dying. And of course, this prophecy was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus clearly understood his vocation and his mission as fulfilling the role of the suffering servant. As Jesus says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The phrase to give your life as a ransom for many is a clear allusion to the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus came as the very arm of the Lord that would destroy all evil. But paradoxically, he did this through suffering and dying. And then three days later, rising from the dead, clear sign that he has defeated evil, sin and death. As we look at the world today, we can still see a lot of evil, violence and corruption, wars. The world looks a mess. And we too long for the arm of the Lord to come and destroy all evil. But the problem with this is that the evil is not just out there somewhere in the world. There is evil in my heart. There is evil within me. You see, sin is like a terminal disease of the heart. A virus. And it affects us all and it spreads and ultimately destroys us. But God did not leave us in this mess. But rather he stretched out his arm to rescue us. And Jesus came as the suffering servant. And though he was innocent and guilt free, he was willing to take this virus upon himself. And he absorbed all of our terminal diseases into himself. And he suffered and he died for us so that by his wounds we could be healed. For through his suffering and dying, he has destroyed the disease, he has defeated the virus, and he has become the antidote, the cure for the disease of our heart, the cure for our sin, all our selfishness and judgmentalism. And if, and it's through faith in Jesus, it is through humbly accepting our need for forgiveness and calling out to God that we can experience peace with God. For it's by His wounds that we are healed. And we're also called to follow the suffering servant. We are called to stand with the poor and the oppressed and to identify with the outsider. We are called to love our enemy and forgive those who offend us. We are called to sacrificially love others. And this is not easy. So often we want to follow the easy road. And you can see why the Jews didn't want to have a suffering servant. 
The Jews wanted their king to be a powerful military leader, someone who would overthrow all their enemies with military might. They wanted to get even, they didn't want to forgive. And the same is true for us. We want to seek after power, we don't want to humble ourselves. We want to get even, we don't want to forgive. But we have been called to follow this humble man, this suffering servant. So let's not ignore this prophecy. Rather, let's humble ourselves today and follow the example of Jesus. But before we can do that, we first need to be reconciled to God. We first need to receive that forgiveness and that healing that comes from Jesus. For it's by His wounds that we have been healed. Have you received the spiritual healing? Are you at peace with God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you were prepared to come to us in Jesus. And that you were prepared to do all of this. That you were prepared to identify with us. You were prepared to suffer for us. And you were prepared to die for us. Because you love us. And Father, we thank you that it's through Jesus' suffering. Through Jesus' death. Through Jesus' wounds. That we are healed. That we are forgiven. That we are reconciled to you. That we can experience peace. And Father, we thank you for the example that you leave us to follow. And we confess it's so so much against our natural instincts to, to humble ourselves and to love others, to forgive others and to love enemy. We thank you for the example you've left us. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would empower us and enable us to follow the example of Jesus. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.